um, who are going to be given uh, some little gifts to all of you ladies. So if you're a lady today, you get a little gift. And if you're a guy, you got to wait till next month, all right? And we'll get you something then. Uh, but so sorry about that. Uh, but so those guys are going to pass those out. And if, uh, if there's any extras at the end, if you need one, you need to grab one or any for any last minute Mother's Day presents, uh, you can grab you one of those. Grab one of those, and you always go to an Exxon station, get you a Slim Jim, pack of Reese's. Your wife will love it, all right? <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, uh, what do I know? All right. Uh, let's get to some announcements today. Uh, no evening service tonight. We want you guys to be able to spend some time with your families, uh, especially if your moms, if you got them, or you have them local. Hey, good morning, Ronnie. And uh, here's what we're going to do, though. I do got uh, devotion there for you guys, uh, if you are able to do that. And hope you get something out of that one. And then as well, a couple other things. Um, today starts our Babel, baby bottle campaign. There we go. Baby bottle campaign. Um, how many of y'all seen a baby bottle before? Oh, okay. Uh, have y'all done the campaign before? All right, one of you. Praise the Lord. I'll take it. Uh, this goes to help out the Tri-Area Pregnancy Resource Center uh, there's a location in Galax, and this is where we got these from, but there's 25, 24 bottles in the back and one here. Um, but grab you a bottle or a couple if you want and fill them up with uh, loose change, dollar bills. They'll take checks as well. I don't think they'll do gift cards or coupons, though, so don't do that. But this is their only fundraising event of the year, and this is how they get a lot of their funding. But what they do is they help out a lot of young ladies um, who, are, who are in need, who don't have uh, the fathers around who are in need of assistance with either um, having their child and making sure that they don't make another choice um, and making sure that they have counsel if they do make uh, the choice of an abortion or as well they have not just counseling services but they have supplies for them there teaching classes for parenting and, and to help them and to mentorship and, and a multitude of things they can go daily and get everything that they need from diapers uh, to clothes and toys for their children and uh, all of it is provided for um, by churches who donate and support uh, the Tri-Area uh, Pregnancy Resource Center. But this is their big fundraising event. So all baby bottles need to be returned after they're filled up by June the 18th. That's Father's Day, all right? When you bring them back, drop them off in the same basket in the back that you got it from, okay? That will help us out tremendously. Uh, then as well, Friday and Saturday, May the 26th and 27th for the Memorial Day weekend parking lot ministry uh, we need some folks to sign up in the back. We've got time slots between 8 and 12 and 12 and 4 for both days. We need at least about two or three at least uh, people to sign up for each shift so we have enough people to park uh, some folks as well to give out tracks, pray, give out bottles of water. Um, we try to do all those things just to try to be a blessing to those. We don't charge anything. Anything that is donated uh, for parking in our parking lot goes to missions. And so if you're able to help out with that, that will be greatly appreciated. Then as well, our Vacation Bible School meeting on May the 28th will be right after uh, that Sunday service. If you are a Sunday school, I'm sorry, a VBS uh, teacher, please make sure you don't wait till the last minute to start studying your material. Um, if you do crafts or snacks or anything extra like that or games, um, please see Cammie uh, for anything that you need as far as uh, donations, supplies, stuff like that. So please make sure you get that rolling so we can get that taken care of, all right? <clears throat> With all that being said, I want to direct our attention to a scripture verse today, and we'll pray and ask the Lord to bless this service. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 20 and 21, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask for or, ask or think, 
according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Today, may it be our heart's desire that we would give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ today and forever. And may we trust that He is working in us, through us, and for us. And may we trust Him by grace, through faith, and receive all that we need today from His Word. I hope that your heart is prepared to worship God today, to meet with Christ in His presence, and to hear from His Word. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we come to You. want to thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You that we can gather. Thank You that we can uh, trust Your Word, that we can study Your Word, that we can hear from Your Word. Thank You that we can sing these songs of worship to You. Lord, help us to be a living sacrifice to You today, Lord, that by Your grace we might surrender to You by faith and put our trust and our total dependence upon You. God, we pray if there's one today who does not know You as Lord and Savior, who's not sure of their eternal home, we pray today, God, that You would bring about conviction through the preaching of the Gospel, through the preaching of Your Word. Lord, that You would... Uh, that you would save them to the uttermost. God, we pray if there's a, a, a saint who's struggling with sin or discouragement, whatever the need might be today, God, upon every heart, Lord, that you would uh, accomplish uh, what you set forth through your word and by your spirit, that you would apply the truth to every heart today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. All right, if y'all please stand, um, we're going to sing hymn number 503, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart, Glory to the Lamb Who Was for Sinners Slain, Amen. Since Jesus came into 
everybody thank you for singing. Now we'll sing uh, Glorify Thy Name all together. And that is the number one reason why we're here, as Joe just said, to glorify the name of the Lord. So y'all sing with me. Sing number hymn 308, There is a Redeemer. And oh, how, how grateful I am that there is a Redeemer. Because without him, I have no shot. Messiah, hope for sin. 
Shake some hands and uh, go to these mothers and let them know how appreciative you are of them. on okay if y'all be making your way back to your seats uh we got a very special treat here mr alan J i mean i mean larry davis here no nah, no nah, i'm just picking y'all make larry feel welcome
if I'm going to live up to that introduction or not. But uh, anyway, Mother's Day. A lot of mamas here. I can tell because there's a lot of kids here. <laughs> but, you know, we're all here because of a mama, right? And uh, God bless the mamas today. And uh, mamas hold a child's hands for a short time, but their heart's forever. Joyce and I, that little mama right there, got five kids, thir uh, 16 grandkids, correct me if I'm wrong, mama, 13 great-grandkids, and if it wasn't for that little lady right there, none of them would be here. And uh, how in the world that all the love she has for her family can be compacted into that little package right there, I don't know. But she loves her family. And uh, it's a mama's love is, uh, I guess, it's, it's compared to Christ's love for us, unconditional love. That's a mama's love. I can remember growing up as a, as a kid, growing up, mama taking care of the home and the family. Five of us lived in a two-room house. Now, back when I was raised, they were poor folks back then. We was, we was some of them. And, uh, but regardless, uh, mom took care of everything, and uh, we didn't have enough room in the house for anything else or anybody else. I mean, we were compacted in there pretty tight. So you can imagine how upset mama got when we got a mouse in the house. <laughs> and uh, so we were poor and didn't have any cheese to bait the trap with. So mama, you know, the fixer of everything. She found a piece of a, a picture of a piece of cheese in a magazine. <laughs> so she clipped out that piece of cheese and put it in the trap. And we got up the next morning and checked that trap, and lo and behold, we caught a picture of a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had an uncle. Mama had an uncle that uh, raised chickens. And uh, he had a big chicken farm, and he he wrote wrote us a letter, and he said he'd uh, invented a chicken that had four legs, so everybody could have a drumstick. And that sounds good to me. Well, Mama wrote him a letter back and said, "Well, how did it taste?" Well, he wrote us back and said he didn't know he hadn't been able to catch one of them. <laughs> so anyhow, childhood day, y'all know I'm just funny, right? <laughs> but Mama, she. Uh, she loved the old hymns, and I, I guess I'll have to give her credit. The reason I love the old hymns is because of Mama and listened to her hum them and sing them, you know, when I was a child. And this is one of the, the, the songs that she loved. Precious memory Unseen angels Sent from somewhere to my soul How they lingered Ever near me And 
the sacred past unfold precious memories how they linger how they ever flood my soul in the stillness of the Precious sacred saints unfold. Precious Father, loving Mother, fly across the lonely years and old home scenes of my childhood and fond memories appear precious memories how they linger how they ever flood my soul in the stillness of the midnight precious sacred saints unfold I remember Mama sin Rock of ages cleft for me The sun is sinking The shadows falling But her prayers Still follow me, precious memories, how they linger, how they ever flood my soul in the stillness of the Precious sacred scenes unfold. Precious memories flood my y'all all join with me in a word of prayer father i i thank you for this day lord i thank you for another opportunity to come to your house and lord worship worship you worship your son father i thank you for the love that you have for for each saved soul of yours lord 
Father, I thank you for the cross, for bearing the nails, for bearing the shame, so that we might be saved. Lord, we love you and we worship you now. Lord, I just pray for the pray for the hearts here, Lord, that you would prepare them for worship, Lord. Convict those that need to be convicted. Lord, but most of all, may we glorify you. Father, thank you for loving us. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, if you'll stand one more time. We'll sing what we've been saying all morning and what the, what the preaching, what the, what the singing, what it all says. It says, worthy is the Lamb. And uh, how many of you are thankful for the Lamb who took your place on the cross? All right, well, let's, let's sing it from our souls this morning. Jesus. 
be the name of the Lord. Y'all may be seated. Well, I hope that you are thankful for the Lamb, grateful for the worship this morning. I want you to know today, something before we get started into this, and before we go any deeper, any further, if you have not been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you remain unclean, you remain unclothed in His righteousness, you remain naked before God. He sees not just every sin that you commit, He sees the motivation of your sin, and the motivation of your sin is the fact that you're a sinner. You were born a sinner, born in a sin-cursed world, a sin-cursed body, a sin-cursed mind, a sin-cursed heart. We're full of sin. We're wicked down to the very core, down to our very nature. There's nothing that we can do to change it, to stop it. There's nothing that you and I can do to fix it. You say, well, then what in the world is the good news? The good news is this. The Lamb who was slain was slain for us, for our sins, because of our sins, and because of His great love for us. He demonstrated His love for us by dying, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was buried, rose in the third day according to the Scripture. He is a Lamb who is on the throne right now, and so shall He ever be. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, if you don't know Him, you must bow your knee humbly, faithfully before the Lamb. Trust in His precious death, burial, and resurrection for forgiveness of sins. If not, you will face the very wrath of the Lamb. It is the Lamb Himself who brings about the wrath that is seen in the book of Revelation. It is the wrath of the Lamb Himself who will look with eyes as a flame of fire and will judge the nations. And He will not just judge the nations, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but He will judge every individual, not just based upon the good they did, the bad they did, because here's the truth of the matter. Anyone who does not know Christ has only ever done and only ever will do bad. And for you who are saved today, any bad thing you do, that's all you, baby. Any good thing you do, that is all Christ in you, through you, and for you. Today, I'm thankful that we can serve the Lamb, and I pray that you know Him. Take your Bible, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 5 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter number 5. We're going to be continuing our series, Having a Faithful Foundation, The Heart and the Home. You think about Mother's Day, and we think about, at least I do, I think about my mother and my home. I don't think about so many of the times where she worked outside the home. I remember the times when she was in the home and my mother would be the first one to tell you that she can't carry a tune in a bucket with a lid on it. And if somebody else held it for her, she'd probably struggle with that too. But bless her heart, I remember her singing those songs and those hymns too. Whether she sang the words right or not, she sang them. She loved the Lord. I'm grateful that my mom did, does, serve and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have a mom who does, you should be thankful and praise the Lord for such. But I think about the home, and I think about how, how broken so many homes are today. And to be honest with you, Mother's Day is, is a joyful day for so many, but today as well, there's mothers who have gone on to be with the Lord, who have passed. So there's some who are spending their first Mother's Day today without their mom for the first time. There's some mothers who are spending their first day without a child for the first time. There's some mothers who have never gotten to hold their child before. There are countless folks who are suffering today. But when we think about the mothers, we think about, and at least I do, I think about what God called them for. Called them to take care of that home. To train up those children 
I'm thankful that I had a mom who did, a father who later in life as he was saved by the grace of God did. But dear church, we're in trouble with our homes. There's no way around it. Even the ones who have been in church all their life, there's some serious rumblings happening in the homes that can be seen that should frighten us. It should drive us to deep contrition and prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 8-10 through 10 tells us the commands of God, this being the second commandment. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself unto them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love Me and keep My commandments. Let us pray. Lord, we come to You. We want to thank You for this day. We thank You that we could worship You in spirit and in truth. Help us now to continue to worship You as Your Word is preached. God, I pray that You would open up hearts and eyes today. God, that Your Word would penetrate hearts, that, that people would, who don't know You would, would, would repent and believe the Gospel would be saved, would bow their knee to the Lamb, Lord, for us as the believers today, God, I pray that we would make sure that our hearts and our homes are in order, that they're built upon the foundation of Your Word, built upon the foundation of Your glory and knowing You. God, today, how desperately we need You. I pray that You would be ever-present today. God, that You would preach and teach Your Word to Your people and for Your people. And God, we just want to thank You for this time that we can gather now. We give it to You in Jesus' name. Amen. The story goes of a newly married couple and uh, the husband eats his wife's roast and says, oh, honey, this is so good. Where did you get this recipe? She said, well, I got this recipe for this roast from my mama. Okay, well, how long does this recipe come back? And she says, oh, well, it goes back at least to great-grandma. She says, wow, all right, well, it's been around a little while. He says, honey, uh, as good as this roast tastes, I do have to ask you a question. He said, I, I noticed before you cooked it, you cut off the ends and you cut a, a good chunk of meat off of them too and just threw it away, and I just, I'm not fussing, because that was a good roast, I'm stuffed, but how come you did that? And she said, well, I, I've just always done it that way, because my mom did that. So why don't you ask her? So they call up her mom. Well, well mom, why did you do the roast that way? Well, I always did it, because my mom did that. So now they call up grandma. Grandma answers, grandma. We just love that roast recipe that's just been passed on from generation to generation. We've got to ask you a question. Why, why did you cut the ends off that roast? It, it's just so good. But, but what's the, why's that secret of cutting the, cutting the ends off? What's, what's the point? She said, oh, well, well, honey, I just cut the ends off because it didn't fit in the pan. <laughs> now, we laugh at a roast. But the things that happen in the home go from generation to generation. Right or wrong. It might be something as silly as cutting the ends off of a perfectly good roast that won't fit in the pan. Or it might be how you view God. It might be how serious you take His Word. 
It might be how serious you take the worship of God and the gathering of the saints. It might be any of those things. There is nothing more important or as important or impactful as the worship of God. How we view God, how we speak of God, and worship God impacts generations. Some of you husbands treat your wives the way that you treat them because you saw your daddy treat your mama that way, good or bad. Some of y'all know this, that you'll, you'll pick up your kids and they'll, they'll talk how they've heard. They like to copy things, don't they? That's how they learn. You say a wordy dirt, and they're going to say it a thousand times in rapid succession. Some of y'all face that problem, haven't you? I wonder, have they picked up how to speak to one another? Sure. But I want you to know they're watching how to worship God. They're watching what matters most in life, in your life, and it becomes what matters most in their life. And the reason why today our homes are struggling just as weak, just as weak, at least one, two families in this, in this town split. We're done. Should break our hearts. It's happening outside the church inside the church and the reason why we're crumbling is because we got founded on all the wrong things. We're about three generations into this getting passed on that everything matters more than the worship of God. And everything matters more in the church than the worship of God. And it ought not be so. We have exchanged expository preaching for entertainment and playtime. We have forsaken prayer meetings and we don't even take them seriously because we don't take prayer seriously because we don't take God seriously. The reason why we don't pray is because we don't take God seriously. And the reason why our children are leaving the church by the droves, and I'm not just talking about churches that look like us, smell like us, act like us. I'm talking about biblical churches, gospel-preaching churches. It is an alarming rate because we have chosen and made the choice to show them that there's much more than the worship of God that is important in our life. We have sacrificed time and money so they know how to do a dance at a dance recital or throw a ball of which neither one will ever make them any money. And one, we've taught them to do it without the glory of God in mind, but rather for a trophy. And two, we have shown them time and again that the church doesn't matter and the worship of God doesn't matter as long as you got your own thing with God going on. Wrong answer. You better have your own thing with God, but it better be in the bond, in the bounds of the Word of God, 
the Spirit of God, the church of God, and when you go home, the family of God. Our often improper and inconsistent, irreverent, and I would dare say idolatrous worship has devastated our hearts and our homes. We are living in a total church and world culture breakdown. You and I think that the worship of God is merely a part of our life. I want you to know it makes up all of your life. How you worship God, it's going to affect every bit of your life. The problem of our day is that we have so sectioned out our lives is that when we get home from work, we take our work hat off, put our father or mother hat on, we wear that for a little bit, then we go to ball practice, we put that hat on, we go out with friends, we put the friend hat on, we go to church, we put the church hat on, and we've got so many hats that we don't even know who we are. And we don't know who God is. And our children are spiritually schizophrenic and have no idea who to trust, who to rely on, who to worship, let alone how to worship or why to worship. And they learned it from us. They learned it from us. You say, well, they got to make their own choices. Yes, they do. But God entrusted a life to you to train and teach. Nowhere in this book, and this is, this is the baby name book. This is the parenting book. This is the book for your life. This tells you how to be a husband, a father, a a wife, a mother. This tells you how to be a child. This tells you how to be a worker. This tells you how to own a business. This tells you how to be broke. This tells you how to be rich. This tells you every bit of your life that you need. It's right here. But because, and we like to say, well, we took prayer and the Bible out of the, the school and that's why. No, we took it out of the pulpits and we took it out of the homes. Raise your hand if you grew up. I'm talking every day, every day, not mealtime, not mealtime, your family gathered and prayed or read the Bible. Raise your hand. Raise it high, as high as you can. Oh, look, we've got three hands. I couldn't raise mine. We have taught our children not to worship God. We taught them that. They are being discipled by the world and discipled by our lack of a love for God. And they will learn to love God based on what the world says and our lack of a commitment. We've taught them to commit themselves to everything but the worship of God. And it's because we've committed ourselves to everything but the worship of God. I don't care if you come to church every Sunday morning, if you're not committed to worship Him outside of this building, you're just plain not committed. And it don't matter, frankly, if you come to all four services we got 
And I don't care if you can tell me every service or every sermon I've preached front to back ways and listen to it again and again. If your heart is not committed and surrendered to the Word of God outside of this place, you are playing church. You are masking your idolatry. And you have passed on your idolatrous roast recipe to your children. And it doesn't have to be that way anymore. And before this day is up, you have and I have a decision to make before we leave this place today of whether we will continue down the cycle of idolatry and allowing our children to be discipled by the world and not the Word and continue to not take the things of God seriously and the worship of God seriously. Or not. If we don't slay idolatry, we'll quickly fall to its snare. Today as we look at this passage, we're going to see the command, the concern, the consequences, and the correction of this. Because I want to help you. And I believe today that God wants to help you. Do you think that God wants to help and build His church? Do you think that God wants to build the families? Do you think that God wants to help your heart today? If not, then you have already broken this commandment, by the way. Because you've got a false view of who God is. As we look here, verses 8 and 9 show us the command. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image, nor any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself. That means to worship, submit, and to bow down in dependence unto them. Nor serve them. What you worship, you serve. What you serve, you worship. What you sacrifice for, you show. What you're worshiping, you show what you serve the most. It could be comfort. It could be education. It could be a multitude of good things in our eyes. But anything that takes the place of God is an idol. God already addressed this when He said, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before Me. You say, well, I only worship the God of the Bible. Okay, well, let's do another test here. Here's command number two. No graven image. You see, if we're complacent with the commands of God, then the next generation will be contrary to them. We go from tolerating sin to accepting sin to promoting sin to where those that promote sin no longer tolerate those that don't tolerate that sin. That's where we're at today in the world and in the church, by the way. It is breaking families apart by the seams. As you all know, and as you all have experienced, your children watch you, don't you? I didn't choose to be a Redskins fan. Y'all probably figured that, didn't you? I didn't make that choice. That choice was made for me. I was born into it. Do I wish my father made a better choice? Sometimes. This is the year. Some of y'all Cowboy fans, hey, we're in the same boat here at this point, okay? At this point, you think the reason why, if I look back on my life, the reason why I have Redskin stuff in my office, everything from Mr. Potato Head Redskin to figurines and all, you know why? You know why I'm going to watch them this fall and complain about it the whole time? My father taught me. My father taught me. My parents passed this on. I care about the things that my dad cared about. 
When you were younger, did you care about the things that your dad or your mom cared about? Everything. What my dad liked, I liked. What my mom liked, I liked. Right? I remember some of my fondest memories. And it's the reason why I got my, my figure. We made a lot of brownies. And I stirred those brownies. And I licked the batter of those brownies. And then I ate the brownies. And then I made more brownies. And then I learned how to make brownies. There'd be times I even remember where my mom would call. She'd be late coming home from work. And she'd need brownies for an event, either for church or, you know, something at school. And she'd say, son, I need you to go to the, go to the cabinet. You need to get these things out. I need you to make the brownies. These were scratch too, by the way. I ain't got the recipe no more. You have to ask my mama. She said, but I need you to make them. Do you remember how? Yes, ma'am. The instruction, the recipe is right there. You need to get all these things out. All right, yes, ma'am. Pre-eat, go ahead and preheat the oven while I'm talking. Yes, ma'am. Got it. And you know what would eventually come out? Brownies. Because I cared because she cared. I cared because she taught me. When we think about the worship of God, we get the picture. You see, we've tolerated and settled for a fake faith that has been passed on to our children, and that's all they know anymore. Our idols have kept us busy. Our idols have kept us distracted, and they have driven us to be more distant from God, all the while making us think that we're more spiritual. That's what an idol will do for you, by the way. Every idol in your life will make you think you're right with God, but it will take you farther from God, and you won't even know it. It's a distraction. Now, as we get into this, Command. First thing that we notice is that there's to be no false images of God. Anybody know what God looks like? Me either. God has revealed Himself to us in His Word. God is a spirit, therefore those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We find that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. We find that He is the one who put a body on God, if you will. He put on flesh so that those who were there could see God in the flesh. But guess what? He's gone. And now you and I are left to be the temple of the Holy uh, Spirit of God. But here's what we do know about God. He's God. He don't fit in an idol. He don't fit in your box that you worship. He don't fit in your little church hat. He don't fit in your little Christian hat that you take on and you take off when you feel comfortable to wear it or not, when things are going good or not. Nothing and no one is worthy of worship but God alone. Now the reason why God gives this to the Israelites is because the Egyptians, they had false images everywhere. As a matter of fact, during that 400 years, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Israelite slaves were used to make many of those things. Matter of fact, every pyramid you've ever seen, every sphinx you've ever seen, every statue you've ever seen, every obelisk you've ever seen, every one of those things, you know what they were for? The worship of false deities. And to worship a false deity is to worship demons. It's to worship the devil. It's to worship the, the flesh itself. What we find is that they were a pagan culture. That's all they knew and that's all they cared about. And they passed it from Egyptian generation to generation to generation. Many of the Egyptians that the Hebrews would have known, some of their jobs were specifically to worship and to prepare the worship and to accept the worship of only one particular god or goddess that was in the shape of some graven image. And that didn't end with the Egyptians. As a matter of fact, the land that God was delivering them into, the Canaanites and all around them, the Israelites were surrounded from Egypt to Canaan land, surrounded with graven images, surrounded with paganism, surrounded with idolatry. And they were being told by God, don't try it. As a matter of fact, what would happen is that they did try it. In Exodus, while Moses is up on the mount of God and he's receiving the law of God, 
What do the children of Israel immediately do while they're down there waiting for Moses? They make an idol, don't they? They make a graven image of a bull. You know where they got that bull idea from? Egypt. They didn't just invent it. They saw it. They melt down their gold rings and their earrings and all this stuff, and they make a golden calf. Why? Because they had the right intention to worship God, but they did so with a false image, which is idolatry and a breaking of the commandment right here. So, well, Pastor, that's not my problem. I don't have any idols in my home. I don't have any pictures of Jesus I bow down to. I, I don't bow down to those Hobby Lobby pictures with the, the Scripture on it. or, or anything. I don't do that. So, so I'm good here. What's this commandment for? This commandment isn't for me. This is only a pagan problem. This is only a Roman Catholic problem. This is only a, a, another worldly problem. No, this is an us problem. Because it's not just about false images. It's not just about you bowing down and worshiping a golden calf. It's that there is to be no fabricated images of God. This means the way you worship God and how you worship God, it had better be how God revealed Himself to be. It means that you'd better have the right view of God about how God has revealed Himself to be. It means that when you worship God, when you come to God, when you live your life, it had better be with the right view of God. God is not like other gods. God is God alone, and He will share His glory with none other. The glory of God is at stake, and your good and your life and your heart and your home is at stake with how we treat this commandment. No fabricated images. It is to have your own fabrication of God. It is just as sinful as bowing yourself down to the golden calf. Having a low view of God is just as sinful as bowing down before another God. Do you understand this? Let me give you some examples to help out, perhaps. When you pray, and you do so with unbelief, it is a breaking of the second commandment. Because you have a false image of who God is. You believe that God is too busy, or too high up there, that He just don't care what you got to say. That's a breaking of this commandment. How many times have Pastor Joe prayed that? With unbelief. An awful lot. How about this, perhaps, to help you? Living as if God is not all-knowing. As if God just don't know. I want you to know, we said it here before, and we'll say it a million times again, what God knows about, He cares about. God made you, therefore He cares about you. He wants to know you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you everlasting life, but it will only be received by grace through faith in Christ. Outside of that, you will be left to His judgment, but God does not desire such. He desires that you would come unto Him, and all those that come unto Him, He will in no wise cast out. We see that later on. As He revealed Himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 33, He hides Moses behind the cleft of the rock, and He says, this is who I am. He proclaimed His name. He says, I, I'm the one that gives mercy to thousands. And we see this even in this own passage. Do you live as if God knows all about you? Do you live as if God knows every, not just thing that you do, not just everything that you say, but He knows why you say it? How about this? Do you believe that God is all-powerful? Every one of us this morning would say, God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful, and yet we live as if He is not. And to live as if He is not able to do that which we just read in Ephesians chapter 3, 
who's able to do abundantly what we even think, right? He's able to do this. Even desiring to do this. And when we pray and live as if He's not, it is a violation of the second commandment. It is making God into a graven image of your own design and fabrication. Many of us claim to be a Christian, but we worship a Jesus that we have made in our own image. We like the attributes of God that we like, and we don't talk about the ones that we don't like. We like the portions of Scripture that we like, that help us, encourage us, and maybe we'll pick one or two that will convict us. But the rest is just, well, that's just for other folks. No. What we're doing is we are molding our own God to be like us. And the reason why is because our sinful flesh always wants to worship itself. Where we become our own graven image. We make God into a graven image because we fabricate who He is and what He's like. I want you to know God has told us who He is, what He's like, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's going to do. We need, when we worship the Lord our God, to do so on His terms, not ours. We need to accept all of the Scripture and all the revelation of God, not just the parts that we're comfortable with or that we perfectly and completely in our own little theological box can understand. God is infinite and He is far outside of my finite understanding about Him. Though God is incomprehensible, He is knowable. And the only way that He's knowable is through His Word. The reason why that our children don't know Him, care to know Him, and they merely pretend to know Him often is because we've done the same. The hands that weren't raised showed it. Now I ain't coming in here this morning and knocking your mom and your daddy. I'm just showing that for generations now, we've lived in a culture that really isn't Christian, but we've called it Christian. We've lived in homes that have said that we're Christian homes, but there's only, the only thing Christian about is that they go to church. That's not, that does not make a Christian. A Christian is someone who has repented and believed the gospel and believes it daily for the power of sanctification and are longing for that day where they will be glorified and delivered from sin completely. That's a Christian. They're trusting in Christ alone, not church added to their morals. We've taught our kids morals. We've taught them the wrong way of worshiping. Let me ask you this. Are your thoughts about God consistent with His revealed Word? Do you think about God based upon His Word? Do the things that you say about God, are they based upon the Word? Because we had better be careful because if we say things about God that are not true, we have violated this commandment. We had better be very careful with our assumptions about God and us with loose lips. Oh, well, God is... It better be right here. And I would much rather have a higher view of God then settle for average or low. Because I can never high, have high enough view of God. Because we can never lift His name high enough. And even the best of us who worship God in spirit and in truth, even still are limited by our finite understanding about the infinite God who has expressed Himself through His Word. Underwhelming view of God. It's a graven image. Why? Because it fabricates a false image of God 
compared to how God has revealed Himself to be. This is not a pagan problem. This is an us problem. We might not have idols and shrines in our home, but we've still got plenty of graven images. They're just right here. They're just coming out of here. It's because they're living in here. Every sin that you've got, ask why you sin that sin. And you ask why enough to every, every step you take, it will lead you to your idol. And it will be right here. And we had better put it to death. Many of those idols are simply these graven images of a false view of God. The second thing that we see though in this is the concern. He made it very clear in verse 8. No graven image. No likeness of anything that is in heaven above. Right? Don't, try to, don't try to paint me a picture. Matter of fact, you've got a blonde-haired, blue-eyed picture of Jesus. Go ahead and chuck it. If you think today that you need that picture of Jesus to worship Him better or to pray better in your prayer closet, that's a graven image. I would say this, if you need a TV series or a video show to help you worship God better, then the Bible's not sufficient enough for you, clearly. You say, well, I just like to picture Jesus when I pray. All right, do this through here and do what we just sang about. He's a lamb that was slain, seated upon the throne. That's good enough for God to reveal to us. That's good enough for us to accept. As we move on and we see this concern, he talks about this. He says, Thou shalt not bow thyself down unto them, nor serve them. God not only cares about what we worship, He cares about how we worship. You know why? Because His name and His glory is at stake. His name and His glory. Not yours. God's glory is at stake. We have taught our children and our children's children our children's children's children that it just don't matter and we've settled for this because it has not been real in our life because we refuse ourselves to crush these graven images in our mind and in our hearts. It starts in our hearts before it goes in our home, but what's in your heart, dear family? It will be all in your home. It's inescapable. Mom, Dad, you are the heart of your home. How you beat is how your kids are going to have their heart beat. We had better make sure that with these graven images and these false ideas about who God is, that it's gone and put to death and crushed to powder. As a matter of fact, if you remember about that golden calf, what did Moses do with it? Do what God told him to. Crushed it up, ground it up, mixed it up, and made them drink it. We ought to do the same with our idols. Every last one of them. God is concerned about our who, our what, our when, our where, our why, our how. Sadly, God is more concerned about the commands than we are. Sadly, He's more concerned about what should concern us than we're concerned about. We, we live to not be concerned about anything. You had better be concerned about one thing, and it's the glory of God. It is the worship of God. It is to know Him and make Him known. And you'll never make Him known if you first don't know Him. You'll never do anything for God until you get your heart right first. Your home will continue to be in shambles until your heart is built upon the foundation of God and His Word. And you worship 
out of God's prescription is idolatry. No ifs, ands, or buts. No room for gray area. No room for, yeah, but what if, or it's not that so bad because so-and-so, or so-and-so, or I just feel like, take your I feel likes and throw it away. What has God said? God has spoken. We treat His words so lightly. The impact of our hearts and our homes. And, and God cares about the impact of our homes. Matter of fact, I love how my mom has always loved me. Most of you today would probably say that nobody loves you like your mama. I want you to know, God has loved you much more than your mother ever could. More than your father or your spouse or anybody else for that matter. He loves you in such an infinite and unexplainable way that I can't grasp His love except when I look to the cross and see that His love crushed His Son and it pleased Him so that I could be saved. That's the love of God. God's command reveals His glory and His care for our good. He makes it very clear in this verse. Not only should you not bow down yourself under these or serve them, He cares about who, what, when, where, why, and how all of our worship. But He says, He gives us the why here, and here's the why. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Your jealousy and my jealousy is normally 99.9% a sinful jealousy. We get jealous over stuff we ought not even get jealous over. We get jealous... And it leads to wrath and anger and to malice and to bitterness and a multitude of things. You say, well, isn't, can't jealousy be a good thing? I want you to know the only person that has ever been jealous perfectly is God because everything God does and is is perfect and righteous. Therefore, His jealousy is good. What does Him being jealous have the idea of? The idea of His jealousy is that He has bought us if we belong to Him, wouldn't you be jealous over something you've bought for? Were you ever jealous or upset when somebody broke your toy that you bought with your own money? You worked hard for that. How about you give your car and you learn it out to somebody for the weekend road trip they're taking and they, and they break that thing down, they got mud all over it and they run the gas down and they don't fill it back up. You're going to be kind of upset, aren't you? How about this? If your spouse is looking at someone else's spouse, would you be jealous? Probably and then some. If, if your spouse committed adultery, would you be jealous? Probably with a hot and a righteous jealousy, but I want you to know even yours in that moment would not be perfect. would still be affected by this sinful flesh. God declares Himself in Deuteronomy 4, verse 23 and 24, he says, Take heed to yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything, which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. God has a perfect jealousy for his people. It's later seen in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 16 talking about the people of Israel. They had provoked Him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they Him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not to. New gods that they came newly up. Whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock 
capital. That begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. How do you think God feels when you sin? How do you think God feels when we teach our children to sin? How do you think God feels when we continue down to worship with a graven image of who He is? It says, The Lord saw it. He abhorred them because of the provoking of His sons and of His daughters. He said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. He has the right to be jealous because He's the Redeemer of those He's jealous for. We have been bought by His blood. He's got every right to be jealous. We are the church of God which is called the body and the bride of Christ. Don't you think God deserves to be jealous over the purity of His church? Don't you think He cares about the purity of your heart and your home? Yes, much more than we ever will. But that does not excuse our impurities. God is perfectly jealous for His people, both their praise and His purity. And the greatest concern of our hearts and our home is that we lovingly, faithfully, and biblically know and worship Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is a jealous God and He alone is worthy of worship. And we have played the harlot in our homes. We have played the harlot in our churches because we have played the harlot in our hearts. Chasing idols and graven images galore. Look at the consequences. On Mother's Day, I do remember facing a few consequences for my actions. I remember phrases that my mom would often say that told me about my consequences. If you do that again, no me it started that way. It ended with me getting popped or getting my mouth washed out with soap, a lot of that. Once I started liking the taste of soap, we were in trouble though. You can't do much with that. I remember one of the worst consequences that my mom had was this phrase that she used to say that you've probably heard before too. I brought you in this world! Y'all have heard that before, haven't you? How many of y'all said that before? Mothers? Did you say it before you came in church this morning? <laughs> Come through that side door, right? <laughs> You're not going to admit it, are you? Even if you would. Think about every action has a consequence, doesn't it? Every action has a consequence. Everything you say yes to, you say no to something else. Everything you say no to, you say yes to something else. Everything in your life has choices and consequences, and there will always be consequences. Everything that is sown must be reaped. Everything has consequences, including our worship. If you notice with me, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 25. He's already told us He's a consuming fire, even a jealous God. He says, When thou shalt beget children, and children's children, as grandbabies, and ye shall have remained long in the land. Things are prosperous. Things are good. And he says, And shall corrupt yourselves. Why? Because oftentimes our corruption comes from our desire for comfort. Oftentimes our desire to have things in the world and to be comfortable in the world leads to us having eternal consequences. 
And you make a graven image or the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. It's almost like God knew what they were going to do. Because he did. He knows the sinner better than the sinner knows the sinner. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, and ye shall soon utterly perish from off this land, whereunto ye go over to Jordan and possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. I brought you into this world, Israel. I'll take you out. God didn't wash their mouth out with soap. He said, I'm going to take your land away. You're going to go into captivity for generations, and they would. Dear Christian families, our children are in captivity. Our homes and our lives are in captivity. How long before we put down these idols? It says, The Lord shall scatter you among the nations. You shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. Notice this. There shall you serve gods. The work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. It's foolishness to disobey God. It's foolishness to worship idols. It's foolishness to pray to one that has eyes and can't see, and one that has ears and can't hear, and one that has a mouth and can't speak. But we do it. But if from thence, notice this, this is who our God is. But if thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Meaning, if you're seeking Him with all your heart and all your soul, there's no room for idols inside that heart that's seeking God. As a matter of fact, the heart that is seeking God is a heart that has been purged and cleansed from those idols and those graven images of God. When thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee, even the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto His voice, there's a condition and a choice. Did you ever get to choose your consequence from your mom? Some, not often. Sometimes it was, do you want to get whooped now or whooped now and then, and then later? Right? Either way, the whooping was happening. The consequence will be there, dear believer. However, the choice is yours of how long that consequence will continue. Did you ever have that chance to take the whooping now or be grounded for two weeks and have nothing, live in solitary confinement, right? Three hots in a cot, that's all you was getting, right? You're going to school, you're going to your room, that's it. I've taken that whooping. He says, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. Every time my mother or my father had to give me the consequences of my choices, they still loved me. God does the same. But the consequences here is important. As we look at verse 9 and 10, he says he's going to visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Those that hate him is the idea of those that are against him, those who are obstinate to him, those who are disobedient to him, those that are unfaithful to him, those that don't know him. But notice those that come to him and find him, right? He says, showing mercy to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Because if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And 1 John tells us, if we actually love him and know him, we'll keep his commandments. This is why command number two of graven images matters 
more to us today than we realize. The earthquake of idolatry has tremors for generations. Look at our culture. Look at our churches. Look at our children. Look at the living impact that we have. This is our heart. Our false worship or faithful worship impacts every part of our life and fellowship with God. It impacts everything vertically with God and everything horizontally with man. We are either moving faithfully forward or dangerously distant with God. There is no real... Stagnation is going backwards. Being unconcerned with the things of God is going backwards. Being cold or indifferent is going backwards. It's not just sitting still. You're moving far from God and don't even know it. But look at the lasting impact. First of all, the Bible is clear about something. God says that He will not punish the children because of the parent's sin. You say, is this a contradiction? No, the understanding of this passage is this. God will not hold your children responsible for your choices. Everyone that could not raise their hand, myself included, that did not have prayer and Bible reading in their Christian home, and most of us would say that we grew up in a Christian home. You, dear child, you weren't held responsible for that. You know who was? Mom and Dad. You know who's held responsible for your home and your home only? You, Mom and Dad. You, dear husband. You, dear wife. You, dear believer, are held responsible. You say, well, over here in Ezekiel 18, it tells us this. In verse 19, the Lord is speaking. He says, Yet say we, why doth not yet the Son bear the iniquity of the Father when the Son hath done that which is lawful and right and hath kept all my statutes and hath done them? He shall surely live. This is why you can have a pagan parent and a godly son or daughter. They'll obey the Lord. <clears throat> They'll obey their parents. But they've made the choice they're not going to end up like their parents. They want to follow God, their Father, who has redeemed them by the uh, blood of His Son. It finds that those children who have been born and such will not be persecuted by God or chased down by God because their parents made wrong choices. The parents made wrong choices, but notice this, as Deuteronomy 5 tells us here, it visits and lingers in your household. Some of you, that with alcohol and drugs because mom and dad or grandma and grandpa dealt with drugs and alcohol. Some of you stay away today because of such, because it runs in the family. We say phrases like that, it runs in the family. Sin runs everywhere. So do the consequences for such sin. Today, dear Christian, it is time to break the cycle of sin. We've got to see the lasting impact that we are called to make, that we are held responsible to make. He says in verse 20, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. You will make your own choice. Your children will make your own choice. But while you've got those children... We had better teach them to crush every graven image, to crush every idol, and to make the worship of God the center point of our life. Have we done such? You can read the rest of that passage and you can see the whole response of God. He brings about judgment, He reveals His character. Here's the lasting impact in your home. 
Here's the consequences of what you do with this commandment today. I put it this way. You're not going to be right with your spouse if you're not right with your Savior. You're not going to be right with your kids if you're not right with your king. The order of your home is not going to be right if the order of your heart is not right. It starts right here. But you are responsible for your home and you will give answer for your home. But it's not too late. Right now, you are either influencing falsehood or faithfulness, but there's a correction that you and I must make, and it's pretty simple. All of that is the introduction, and the message is this. This is the message. God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. The only image you need to worship God is Jesus Christ. That's it. And you don't need a picture of Jesus to do it. As a matter of fact, that becomes a graven image. What you need to worship the incarnate Word is to know Him through the inspired Word. God has spoken in sundry times and divers manners and time past the fathers and the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, who is the heir of all things, who made all things, who is the brightness of His glory. Meaning that Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. He is God, always has been, always will be. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the express image of His person, meaning every ounce of God is found in Jesus Christ because He is God. This is, you want to know who God is. It is stamped, welded to Jesus Christ. If you want to know God, know Jesus, and you only know Jesus through His Word. You can teach your kids a million things, but teach them Christ. Teach them to know Jesus. You can teach them to know facts and figures and, and to be the smartest kid in class, to be the most moral kid in class, to be the best athlete. But if they don't know Christ, they know nothing. And if you don't know Christ, you know nothing, I know nothing, and we are most miserable. How can we know Him? Look to His Word. Repent and believe the Gospel. The Gospel is even here in Hebrews 1, verse 3. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He bought us by His blood. We belong to Him. Our children belong to Him. Our homes belong to Him. Our lives belong to Him. Quit with the graven images is what God is saying to us today. Jesus Christ must be worshipped alone. The image of God is expressed in Jesus, experienced through the Spirit, we must slay our sin and seek our Savior by the Spirit of God. Dear believer, look up here today. You have the choice today. You have the choice today to end generational consequences and idolatry and a cycle of sin. 
You today have the choice to end these things that have destroyed your homes, your marriages, your children, their children. Today you have the choice to change the things and to end those things that have wrecked your heart, that have led you from God. You've got the choice today. Do not delay. Do not wait for the generation. Do not say, I'm too old for this. The battle's too far gone. My kids are too far gone. There's none too far gone that God cannot save by His mercy. How do I know? And showing mercy in the thousands of them that love Him and keep my commandments. Today, if you say you love God, keep His commandments, but teach His commandments. Knowing God must be taught and it must be caught by faith. We must end the cycle today. There's no better day to end it than on Mother's Day where moms and dads get on their faces before God and beg for God to save their children, for God to redeem their wayward children, for God to reconcile them to them and to the Lord Himself. There is no better day to get your home and your heart right than on Mother's Day. There is no better day to end the cycle of graven images, a false view of God, and false idols in our hearts and our homes than right now. By grace through faith in Christ, choose to impact and influence your heart and your home to know Christ for generations. Today, as we bring this to a close, Miss Joanne's going to come and play. What you do in this moment, listen, what you do in this moment will impact your heart and your home for much longer than you think. What you and I do in this moment will impact not merely what time we get out of here, it will impact generations. Let's not waste God's mercy. Let's all stand this morning. As this piano plays, this altar's open. If you need to know Christ, come take the Bible and show you Jesus. Today, dear family, if you need to get rid of that graven image, that false view of God, that idol in your heart and your home, come today. If you need to pray for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, those who have gone wayward, those who don't know the Lord, those who are living in the world and not in the Word, come. This altar's open. Don't delay. What you do in this moment today, or the business you make with God, it matters not just today, but forever.